where something happens and you notice that you're feeling dysregulated, angry, frustrated, upset. And the key actually is to regulate as soon as you notice it, not to let things build. And we all every day have everyday frustrations. Then you validate what you're feeling and thinking. And then step three is you go, I have a choice. Do I want to stay stuck in the stress or in this anger, or do I want to move on? Welcome to the Secrets of Supermom show, where we explore how successful, busy moms battle overwhelm, beat burnout, and stay happy in the process. I'm your host, Lori Oberbreckling, wife, mom of four, corporate executive, photographer, and author of the book, Secrets of Supermom, how extraordinary moms succeed at work and home, and how you can too. Hey, hey, friend, welcome to episode number 142 of the Secrets of Supermom show. Y'all, what would it feel like if you woke up every single day and you already knew your plan for the day, your plan for work, your plan for family, your plan for fun, your plan to hit all your wild goals? What if you woke up in anticipation for your day instead of dread? The Supermom Society is our monthly membership for busy moms who want to plan better, connect with their families, and feel really good about the life that they lead. You have big goals and so do we. Inside the society, we get to reach them together. I can't wait to show you what it's like to have more time, less stress, and a community to cheer you on and hold you up. Head to the supermomsociety.com for all the details. Y'all, do you wish you could just get rid of your anxiety and anger? Do you wish that these emotions that came up in you either daily or weekly or monthly could just be pushed to the side and be done with forever? Well, we can't take them away forever, but our guest today, Renee Mill, senior clinical psychologist, author, and corporate speaker, is passionate about helping people overcome anxiety and stress, to be able to notice it, to be able to address it, and to be able to change their thoughts that are coming around these emotions. And so we get to talk to her today about those thoughts that can cause you to be an angry parent, those beliefs that you need to be a perfect mom, and so many other things. I'm really excited for you to hear this today. She is a leading expert in the field of mental health and emotional intelligence. She's the author of three best-selling books, including Anxiety-Free, Drug-Free, Parenting Without Anger, and No Sweat Parenting, and her work has been featured on media outlets like The Today Show, Sunrise, and The Morning Show. So I am just so excited to introduce you to Renee Mill. Hey, hey, friends, welcome to the show. I am excited to have Renee Mill here with me today. Welcome, Renee. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yes, I'm excited. Uh, I am always excited to talk about our topic. I think it is so important for moms. But before we dig in, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us about you and your family and kind of why you do what you do. Sure. Well, I am a mother of four. My children are all grown now. Some also grandmother. I have nine grandchildren. So I have a lot of um, lived experience of being a parent and I have a lot of lived experience of now being a grandmother and actually watching different parenting practices and having to think about them and be flexible. I also um, have been around for a long time and why I'm saying that is because when you've been working for 40 years and I studied in the 70s, which was the beginning of feminism, we never used the word supermom in those days actually. Um, it was a very different culture and no one thought too much about the different roles that women were taking on as things were really evolving. So I was part of quite an exciting time in life, but it also gives you perspective of how things are changing, have changed, my own views on those things. 
Um, I was originally an occupational therapist. And in those days, it was before computers. I really sound like an old, old person. I don't feel old. And basically, we used a lot of activity to work with children. And then I went on and became a clinical psychologist. And so I've always had two sides of me. I was analytically trained, very deep analytical side, but also very practical side. And I bring both of those to my work. And since then, I've published a number of books. So, for example, my first book came about, it's called No Sweat Parenting, because I, so I was very analytic. I'd have patients who would come and say, I don't really want to understand why I get angry with my child in the middle of the night. Just tell me what to do. (laughs) And I felt there was a gap, you know. Just And it was before the days, now people Google, my daughter tells me she will Google, how do I make, she once asked me, how do I make my son pee into the toilet? (laughs) And I said, well, there are lots of reasons. She said, Ma, I don't want to know the reasons. I just want to know how to make it better. So that's when I thought, okay, you know, people also need strategies and we call that an outside-in approach, whereas understanding and going deep is more the inside-out approach. Um, But then I found something really fascinating. So I came across some ideas which worked for me and which were evidence-based and I thought sometimes were really clever, but people wouldn't institute them. And I found that it was because if you don't really believe something, you're not going to implement it. So for example, if you would talk to people about being firm and setting boundaries with your children, but they have the belief that setting boundaries will squash my child's personality then even if it's correct advice, they leave and they go, uh-uh, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that to my child. So my first book is all about six myths that mothers have or parents have um, that stop you from implementing important things. And the first one actually is you can't be a perfect mom and that you and your child are two imperfect human beings and the pressure we put on ourselves to be perfect. So sometimes one has to deal with that first before someone is going to change their behaviors. And so I've always been interested in how we think. And then, of course, CBT in the 80s came along, and we know that cognitive behavioral therapy says it's what you believe that what drives behavior. And when you change your beliefs, you will change your behavior. So my next parenting book, which is called Parenting Without Anger, is all about the main thoughts that cause parents to become angry. So again, we know most parents don't want to be angry. They don't want to lose it at their children. They have ideas of what they want to implement. But sure enough, when we get angry, out the window, all those strategies go. And so I've become very interested in emotion regulation and managing anger from how we think about things. And then you can learn the strategies. Yes. And I'm so excited that that you ended there because that's totally where I want to start. I want to ask you about, because you say that the, there are some specific thoughts that we as busy moms, overwhelmed moms are having that are creating, that create the overwhelm, the stress, that anger, that, that all of these things are coming from some of these thoughts. So I want to kind of understand from you, what are these thoughts that we're having? What, what are we thinking as moms? So one of them, as I said, is that we have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so we drive ourselves. Everything's got to be perfect. And it depends what area you want to do it in. But there are those moms who think their houses have to run 100% perfectly. And again, if it comes naturally to you, it's not something I'm criticizing how you run your home. But when it drives you to a point where you don't sleep at night, I have moms who are doing laundry at 2 a.m. 
and they are so driven and so perfectionistic that they're losing sight of what's really important in parenting, which is what I want to come to, all I might as well just say it now, about really being present and attaching to your children, Mm -hmm. then it becomes a problem. And of course, you can't be a perfect mom because you're a human being and you will get angry sometimes and you will forget to send them with money to school sometimes and you won't be able to make the perfect homemade meal every single time. And so Winnicott talks about being a good enough mother. We need to strive to being good enough, which is good enough. So that's one of the myths. Another myth is quality time means finding time in my busy day to sit down on the floor and play Lego with my child. And I just don't have time. So it's an extra stress to find this quality time. And so I talk about no quality time is living together. It's how you're interacting. It's how you eat dinner together. It's making the bed together. It doesn't, you don't have to find extra time. Mm. So those are two very, very common ones. The third one, which I mentioned is if I'm firm and set boundaries my child will hate me or I'm going to squash their delightful personalities. So you'll have a child who's running right and we'll talk about setting boundaries. And as I say, moms just won't implement it because they just want to be loving moms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I talk about the importance of being a leader in your home and, and steering the ship and giving your child leadership rather than letting them run amok because you think that that's going to help them. So those are three very common myths that drive us to be super moms and create enormous stress. Yes. I love the first two that you talk about because I feel like it sort of gives us permission, right? It gives you permission not to be perfect, gives you permission that it's okay to like spend your day doing the things you're doing with your child and have that quote count, right? That it isn't these, these built moments that every moment can be a a quality moment, right? Any, any chance throughout the day can be a quality moment or throughout the weekend or throughout, right? Whatever your schedule is. And I think that that sort of gives, like, it takes away the stress. It says, it doesn't have to be perfect. You, you by definition will never be perfect. Your child by definition will never be perfect. And so to be able to say, okay, well, then it's okay if I make mistakes because I'm going to, because everyone does, right? Correct. The, I want to talk a little bit more about the boundaries. Um, you know, when you say that the, that moms, you know, they want to be liked, right? We want it. We all want to be liked and loved and we want to have good relationships, but you're saying kind of that it ends up going too far where there are no boundaries and then child doesn't learn interaction with humans, doesn't learn, you know, doesn't learn how to hold back, right? Those sorts of things. So what do you see? What other things do you see that that really impacts the child and, and even the relationship with the mom? Correct. So I want to frame it not so much as the child learning how to behave, which is very important, but I feel that being a super mom is being a good enough mom and it's about attachment. Mm. And we have to really be reminded that at the end of the day, we are social beings. And the most important thing a mother can do is to attach to her child and be present for that child. And we need to be able to give our child the emotional connections. And most of us can do that naturally. It's something about just being present. It's about when a baby's small, making eye contact and holding them when you feed them and soothing them, Um, really just being present for your child. 
And that is something that no one else can do unless you're not available, another caregiver. But a lot of the other stuff, you know, if you can afford it, you can call in a cleaner or your partner can do it or a friend can come and clean up. But that attachment, and I feel that people are losing that. Mm. And it's actually very much what Gabor Mate is talking a lot about, trying to remind people of that, that it's really about attachment. And when we give our children that, we are giving them the brain, the neural networks they need to form relationships, which is the core. So when you don't know what you believe, when you say one night they need to go to bed on time and one night they don't because I'm not sure about bedtime or can we have junk food and how much junk food? And we all have these issues. That's why I can, you know, they roll off my tongue. I'm not again, <laughs> right. criticizing any of them. So what I often do is I ask parents to write a mission statement about what kind of child they want to grow, what kind of home they want to have. Because when you're the leader of your home, your child has what's called safety and security, which is also good for the brain, right? It, give, it also sets those neural pathways. And so I say it's like if you're on a ship, you know, and the captain comes to you and says, should we go left or right? Or should we go five degrees more? Or where do you want to go today? You would go, well, you're the captain of the ship. Like, overall, I want to get to wherever I'm going on my cruise. I love cruises. But um, on the whole, you've got to decide, you know, about the weather, you've got to navigate, because otherwise, I don't know. And that's how a child feels. If you don't navigate, I don't know what actually to do. So children will push the boundaries for a while, have a moment of triumph. Yes, I got my way. But then they go, oh, I don't really feel safe because I'm three. And if I can push mom over or dad over. So boundaries, a lot of them are about, they can be very light boundaries, but you know, we want a re- we want a regular bedtime, or we want to. This is how we eat most of the time, not perfectly, but most of the time. This is what we think is good for you, and children will naturally push against that. Mm. But they need boundaries to push against. They've got to be kids trying to develop autonomy, and you need to go. You know, this far, but actually, at that point, we say no. And so the child grows up feeling safe that there's someone in my world that I can rely on to give me direction and wisdom, and so on. And those little things, because those little things then become big things, right? At at some point that, you know, as we have preteens, so my oldest is 13. I have a 12 year old right back, right behind her. So preteens, those teenagers, then those, those little things and those little boundaries that are pushed and kind of understanding and trust with you then becomes much bigger things. And so I can see why that would be a giant benefit. I want to ask about, so let's say I am a mom and I realize I'm having some of these thoughts, whether it's, I, I am, you know, panicked about the boundaries or I feel like I should be perfect. I, you know, there you're hearing me say that I shouldn't, that it's okay to not be perfect, but, but I still feel that, that those things still come up for me. Those thoughts still come up for me. Are there some ways that we can start thinking about changing the thoughts or changing the patterns that come after the thought? Yes, so we need to first understand, first of all, how deeply entrenched the thoughts are Mm. or where they come from. Sorry. So if we have a perfectionistic personality, then often we actually need to get some therapy because we are so driven by that, just changing our thoughts aren't enough. Or if it comes from our childhood and we really feel inadequate unless we're proving ourselves, then often it takes more than just challenging your thoughts. But otherwise, with cognitive behavioral therapy, we learn to challenge those thoughts. So it would be like, 
in different ways. You know, what does it mean to be perfect? What does it mean to be a good mom? Um, what are the areas I need to focus on? Let me prioritize where I need to put in extra energy and what are the things that I need to let go of? And we do this in our lives all the time for our own lives. We will decide. I always talk, we've got a budget of time. So when you're a working mom, we all decide where we want to put our energies. We know that this week, that's the most important thing. And so I'm going to put most of my time and energy there. And I'm going to do a little bit less of something else. And so it's the same thing. We might go, I want to spend more time attaching to my child. And therefore, we're going to have simpler meals, or we're going to do a few less extracurricular activities, which I find is a big issue with parents. They're very busy overscheduling rather than spending time with their kids. Mm, yes. So I... when you take the pressure off and you start prioritizing, what does perfect mean? Well, actually, if we just have some downtime after school and roll on the carpet, I'm actually maybe being a good enough mom I don't actually have to have five activities that we're running around. I'm screaming at them to hop in the car. They're going to be late, giving them extra pressure. So thinking about what is good enough and where to put your energies is one way of helping to, mm -hmm. to get rid of that feeling. Asking yourself those questions and, and it sort of, is it, is it true that like a good mom would just hang out on their, on, you know, hang out with their kids in the car and have a conversation? Is it true that, uh, you know, that it would be good enough to, you know, eat very simple tacos or, you know, or a, a bagged salad for dinner tonight, right. Versus a homemade cooked meal. And then probably my guess is that oftentimes women say, well, yeah, of course, like, of course that would be fine. That'd be fine for my neighbor. That would be fine for me. But then the thought comes back, right? When you get back to those other things. So it's, I think, constantly challenging those and asking yourself those questions. Yes. So one of the things an exercise I do that can be quite mm -hmm. fun or confronting is I will ask parents, moms, you know, do you live on a budget? You know, how much money do you have to spend? And unless people are billionaires, most people are on some kind of budget. And so we say, well, you have to actually decide where you're going to spend that money. And you will often go, well, it goes on food first, but then again, what type of food? And maybe the end of the line will be, I don't know, a big a Ferrari or something. <laughs> right. And so I get people to think again that you've got limited resources, emotional resources, you've got limited um, time. So it's the same idea of when you're budgeting and you know you're doing a good budget with your limitations, and limitations is the bad word, we're all limited in some way because we only got so much then you're doing a good enough job. If someone is budgeting within their means, they're doing a really good job. And we've all got different budgets. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to kind of use that as an example and saying, okay, you like, this is good enough. And this is kind of the same thought process that you would use if you're thinking about some of what, what other things are really good enough for you. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Um, you talk about a specific model for managing stress and anxiety. Did we start to get to that or are we, is that something more than, than what we've talked about so far? Well, I'll, you know, I'll talk a little bit about it. Um, it's not that dissimilar to the anger. So this is, it's again about what beliefs spark your anxiety. My model is based on CBT, but it's a little bit different. Most CBT therapists they ask you to think of an alternate thought. So you might have a thought like, I've got to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And then you're asked to think of an alternate thought. 
And it's very difficult when you're used to thinking a particular thing for 30 or 40 years to change that. So my model is based on something which is called cognitive reframing, where I suggest alternate thoughts. And so I have a four-step process where, and you can use it for anger as well. You can actually use it for any emotion dysregulation where something happens and you notice that you're feeling dysregulated, angry, frustrated, upset. And the key actually is to regulate as soon as you notice it, not to let things build. And we all every day have everyday frustrations. Then you validate what you're feeling and thinking. And then step three is you go, I have a choice. Do I want to stay stuck in the stress or in this anger, or do I want to move on? And when you're ready to move on, sometimes it's not immediately, you actually then have a choice. And I give 10 different types of thinking tools. So one of them is realism over romanticism. So it's a romantic view that I can be perfect. And realism is I can't be perfect all the time. I can be perfect in some way, some of the time, but I actually have to be realistic what I'm dealing with. Um, I'm dealing with a partner who's ill. I'm dealing with a child who's very energetic. I'm dealing with a small financial budget, so I can't send my child to the college I want. Um, there's always realism, and so we choose realism over romanticism. And sometimes we actually, it can be quite fun to look at what your romantic ideas are that are causing you stress, like to be a perfect mother, my child has to go to the top college or my child has to wear those clothes or my child has to, I don't know, something. And we actually can laugh at yourself, um, you know, to like one of the funny ones women will often have is I've got to change immediately. I've got to become, I've got to lose 30 kilos in one night or I've got to <laughs> stop being angry today, you know, and then you realize what you're actually saying to yourself. So there are 10 alternative thoughts. So when people realize that they're saying I must be perfect, then they can choose one of these. Another tool, for example, that might be helpful with that thought is learning experience. So the fact that I can't be perfect, what advantage does it have for me? What do I need to learn? Is it humility? Is it flexibility? Is it perseverance to change? Mm. Is it to be more open? Um, so because I'm struggling with this, let me see what I need to learn from it. And then you turn it around into a learning experience and it becomes sort of a more pleasant journey to go on rather than you whipping yourself that I've got to change. So there are all these different thoughts that one can then start thinking differently. But the key to change, which is, again, what my system is, is that you need to practice these new thoughts over 90 days in order to change. So it's not just hearing a podcast once and going, oh, I'll be different. And it's not just going for one or two therapy sessions. It's actually practice and repetition. And over time, when you think the new thought enough times, then the old thought will fade. Mm. How do you have your clients practice? I've put my system into a manual. Oh, okay. And so they commit to a 10 session. Mm. Um, my book is actually also in a self-help book called Anxiety Free, Drug Free. And so it's a 10-week program. And I have this four-step worksheet. And a worksheet a day for 90 days is when you can change your brain. So it's very structured and easy to do. Ah, very structured. And, and they're following a very specific standardized process to, so that they're practicing truly the same thing every day. Well, they're practicing. It'll be a different event, their own event, but they're learning how to respond to that event differently. Mm, I love so that. So people who do their homework and bring in their worksheets, it's very quick, actually. Often about the fifth session, they're ready to finish. 
And I always say you've got to finish the course because you haven't changed your brain yet, but it's actually very quick. Once you start thinking right, you start feeling right. Uh, they notice it far before the program. Uh, it's very ah, quick. Because they're, they're starting to real. I'm sure they're starting to realize the benefits and how, and it feels different and it feels better. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes, that's right. Yes. yes. Oh, I love this. I, um, Renee, I want to ask you a couple of things that we love to ask all of our guests. And one is when do you feel most like a super mom? Well, if I use a current example, because as I get my kids, you know, when I have all my kids over and my grandkids and we don't have a huge living space and I'm feeding them chicken soup and whatever it is, I really feel, and I know they want to spend time with me and we have developed connections. Again, it's not perfect. We have our conflicts. It's not always good. But on the whole, my kids are my friends and we enjoy spending time together. And when holidays come, we go, what should we do together? That's when I feel like a super mom. I feel I've achieved something of what I've wanted to, a closeness with my kids. Uh, They know and I hope they know I'm here for them. And it's about the relationship. There are many areas which um, I'm sure that I didn't do that well. I had to work and I, I was always busy. I, I don't find it difficult to make time for things. I'm a neurotypical. It's easy for me. Um, but I was a working mom. And when I was young, I had guilt about that. Um, so I obviously still have a little bit of guilt about it. But, you know, when we sit around the table and we laugh and we joke and we have a relationship, I feel I've done well enough. Yes. That's a super mom moment for sure. I love that. If busy moms want to get started. So we always ask what's one small step they could do today. So if they're really resonating with today, what's kind of one small step to get started? To remind themselves that mothering is about attachment and connection Mm. and to just find times during the day to be present for your children. So if you're driving in the car and you're thinking about your dinner menu just be notice that and bring yourself back and just ask your child, how are you feeling? If you're sitting around the dinner table, sit at the dinner table and just talk for 10 minutes. Don't be up washing dishes. Grab moments in the day where you can just go, what was a happy thing that happened today? Or I notice you're looking a bit glum. Is everything okay? Or let me share with you something fun. I was on a podcast this morning and it was really fun. I met this this person called Laurie who was full of energy on the other end of the world. You know, kids are also interested in you and to just communicate and just grab little moments in the day to connect, to check in and to be there emotionally for your kids. I love that. I, those little moments are so powerful. I feel like we re- don't realize how powerful. So I love, love, love that. Renee, tell us where to find you, where to find the book, where to find you or books, where to find you online, uh, all the things. Okay, so my website is called anxietysolutionscbt.com and my books are there and everything about me is there. But I, and my books are on Amazon. Um, I don't think they're in bookstores in America, but they are on Amazon. So there are Parenting Without Anger, Anxiety Free Drug Free, which, as I say, is a self-help manual. People can work through my system. And then um, No Sweat Parenting. Mm, love it. And we'll put all the links for, so just so y'all know, if you are busy running around, we'll put all the links, all the links for the books, everything that um, you need so that you can get that. If you are really resonating, especially, I think, um, I think the anxiety free drug free is going to need to be next on my list. I love that. So Renee, I have had such a wonderful time with you today. Thank you so much. Thank for you, Lori. Thanks for inviting me. 
Thanks for listening to the Secrets of Supermom show. It doesn't have to end here. Head over to secretsofsupermom.com and take the quiz to find out your personalized Supermom superpower. Or if you want to hang out in the next best thing to real life, join me at Secrets of Supermom on Facebook or Instagram. Big hug, y'all.